This is the last parable that Jesus spoke before he died. And it's particularly interesting. He talked about his departure and he talked about his coming back and all responsibility on what to do during the time that he's gone and when he comes back. Preparing for that time because whether or not Christ comes at the beginning of the seven years tribulation, in the middle, at the end, it really isn't important. What's important is that he will come back. What we should do to prepare when he comes back is very important. How we should be prepared and how our spiritual life is supposed to grow. How many of you know that you have to invest in your spiritual life? How many of you think about investing in your spiritual life? You play games, and especially those games that you have to balance your resources. That's a type of investment. The way that you're balancing the resources in your life is a way that we invest. And this parable talks about spiritual investments. How we balance the resources in life so that we trade it and become a spiritual investment. Stocks is a buy into a company. When you want to own a portion of a company, what you have to do is you have to pay money and then they give you what they give you back is stock of the company. It's actually a portion of a company that you own. So if you buy a thousand shares of Google, you actually own a part of Google. Now you can cash it out. Once you cash it out, you no longer own Google. But as long as you hold on to the stock, you own a part of Google. The kingdom of God operates the same way because for you to own part of the kingdom of God, you have to invest into it. How many of us here today invest in the kingdom of God? How many of you buy into the kingdom of God? How many of you have no idea what I'm talking about? Verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. A man here refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. He came, he had given unto us, every one of us, what's called a seed investment. Remember the story of the sower goes out to sow. When he spread his seed, that is the seed investment that God's placed on each one of us. Now we hold the seed, the investment seed. You know the seed is good. I hope the seed is good, right? Because we also know that at night, the enemy came and sowed bad seeds in the field as well. And I hope that all of us here has been given the seed that was sown by Jesus Christ. He has given to you that seed. Now with that seed, you can begin to invest into the kingdom of God. He said, who call his own servants, meaning these are the people that belong, the servants of God, and deliver unto them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Jesus no longer here. He has given to you the seed. Some of us ask, I wish that he stay around and tell me what to do with the seed. I wish that he is right here with me and show me what to do because I'm lost. I don't know what to do. Well, he actually is right here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He has given to us everything that we need. It's right here in the Scripture. And even more than that, God has said that he sent his Spirit to guide you, lead you to guide you. So the fact that we are not being led is not because it's not leading us. It's because we haven't made the investment into the kingdom of God. We haven't given to God the seed so that he can multiply your spiritual investment. Let me tell you how the spiritual investment that you invest into the kingdom of God grows. When Jesus Christ came to earth, he had 12 disciples. He was captured because one out of 12 disciples decided to sold him for 30 pieces of silver. 
You look at that and you say, wow, Jesus made one bad investment. It was Judas, did he? When he was captured in the garden, what happened? The scripture tells us they all left him, every single one of them, even his most trusted disciples, John and Peter. They all left. None of them left. He made all bad investments. They all left. None of them stayed around. Not only that, the one that said you will never deny Christ, he will even die for, for Christ, Peter. What happened? He denied him three times before the cockerel. So you look at that and you go, wow, it didn't look too good. The seed investment didn't work out too well. But then what happened when Jesus died, he resurrected. He came to his disciples and said, wait until the Holy Spirit come upon you. When the Holy Spirit did, they waited. Eleven disciples became 120. After the first message that Peter preached, 5,000 added to the church. After the first century, there were half a million Christians. After the third century, there were about 3 million. Notwithstanding, there were so many Christians, 12 million Christians were persecuted at the time of Nero. That's a low estimate. And then today, how many Christians are there? More than 25% of the world's population. One man, when he died, he didn't see any of his investment became fruitful. But today, only 2,000 years, a little more than 2,000 years later, we see 2.4 billion people professing to be Christian. God's investment never failed. There is no success like the success investment that Christ has made in the history of mankind. But the story does not end there. Jesus said this, you and I, our responsibility is to continue God's work. And in John chapter 14, verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Imagine this, the work that Jesus did, his lifetime, he did not go beyond 100 kilometers where he lived. Today, at the speed of your finger touching the little device on your phone, you can reach people thousands of miles away without leaving this chair right now. We have become so efficient at communicating. We have been given in terms of technology, in terms of the world economy, we have been given an ability to reach so many people. And yet, how many of you here believe that you are doing greater works than Christ did? But isn't the Word of God supposed to be true? He said, greater works shall you do. Peter did it. Even Stephen did it. Paul did it. What about us? Unless God is lying or what he said is not true, we should do greater works than Christ, shouldn't we? Shouldn't our lives be doing more than what Jesus did? He was limited by his inability to travel as fast as we can. He's limited by his communication channel. We are not. So why aren't we doing more work? Why aren't we investing more? Now he spent only three years. How many years have you been a Christian? Most of us have been a Christian for many, many years. Me, I'm ashamed. How many lives have we poured out our investment into? How many friends have you shared Christ with? How many people? What about you? How have your spiritual life grown over the past three years? What are you planning to do? Are you going to invest in the kingdom of God? Are you gonna have a part, a piece of the kingdom of God by investing in the kingdom of God? What would you trade to invest in the kingdom of God? And he that had received five talents went and traded. The key word I want you to see here is the word traded. Now, on Wall Street, in the stock market, when you buy and sell stocks, you know what the term they use? Trading, yes, 
you're trading, meaning you take your money or your possession or you sell some stock, you take it out, and then you buy into another company. That's called trading. The people on the floor, they're called traders. Well, you know, the exact word in the King James Version say traded. God has given to us this investment. The investment is actually Christ. And what we have to do is we have to take what God has given to us and trade it into the kingdom of God. We have to put our investment in the kingdom of God. And how can we do that? First of all, why do you have to trade? Why do you have to do this trade? You get into the kingdom of God because it's difficult. The Bible says it's difficult to get into the kingdom of God. It's not easy. There's a story of a young man who was very, very rich. And when he came to the Lord, and he said, I've done everything, kept the law, I obey, I, I did everything. And Jesus said, those things you did are very good. But if you want to be perfect, go home, sell everything that you got, give it to the poor, that's trading. Come and follow me, then you will have eternal life. And what did the man do? He left Christ in sadness. And Jesus responded, and he said, it's very hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Likewise, if you are a person who have a lot of possessions, you have a lot of things in your life. If you're too busy to read the Word of God, if you're too busy to pray, if you're too busy to worship God, you have too many things. You're too rich in this life. And it's hard for you to enter into the kingdom of God. And what you must do is that you must trade some of those things. Begin with the little things. Begin to trade those things so that you have a stake in the kingdom of God. You have to begin to have a spiritual investment. Otherwise, where would you be if you don't have a stake in the kingdom of God? If you never bought into the kingdom of God, you never trade it so that you will have a stake. You know what a stake is? It's a holding. It's like, I own a part of the kingdom of God. And the way you do that is that you trade, you sell what's in your life, and then you buy into the kingdom of God. Now I'll tell you how to buy into the kingdom of God. Invest. Learning how to trade spiritually. The one that has five talents, Immediately, he received instruction, he went and traded. The talents are no good in your hands, meaning the seed that God's planted in your lives when you first believe, it will stay a seed unless you invest it. You will never grow spiritually unless you take what God has given to you and begin to invest in the kingdom of God. Like the one that had one talent, what did he do? He dug, buried the talent. The talent is still there, the seed is still there. But he had no stake in the kingdom of God. He never invested spiritually. He had nothing. So unless we invest in the kingdom of God, we know how to trade into the kingdom of God, we will have nothing when Christ returns. And the scripture actually says, slothful and wicked servant, if we don't invest in the kingdom of God. That's why you must trade, because you can't hold on. You can't just say, I'm saved. That's it. That's not it. That is slothful. That's wicked that's unprofitable in the kingdom of God. It didn't say in the beginning God rested. It says in the beginning God created. If you're not investing, if you're not working for the kingdom of God, you will never find joy. Father asked the sons to come into the garden to work because in there you find joy when you start working. Investing is joyful, especially when you make money, right? Look at all the people who make a lot of money in the stock market. They enjoy, they wake up early, they follow the stock market, why? They make money. They see the investment grow. In the same way, if you invest spiritually and you see your spirit 
your spiritual investment grow, you find joy in it. You wake up early and seek the kingdom of God. You read your Bible. You spend time in prayer. You worship. You find the creative work that God has done or God's doing. Like the things that we do here in the church, the things that we do for mission, it becomes joyful. I'm looking forward in October when I go back to Vietnam. Even though it's hard. You know, it's hard on the body. It's hard on the flesh. But it's joyful. You invest into people's lives. You see your investment, your spiritual investment grow. It, it gives you joy. If you don't see where you're heading, if everything that you're doing just come to an end when you die, it's pretty sad. But if you begin to invest in the kingdom of God, you begin to see things blossom in eternity, you find true peace and joy and a purpose for your life. He that sow in the flesh, Galatians 6, 8, shall reap corruption, but he that sows in the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. If you are too busy in this life, if you have too many stuff in this life, if you don't invest in the kingdom of God, the only thing that you will reap is corruption. One day, it doesn't matter how smart you are today. It doesn't matter how fast you are today in swimming. It doesn't matter how good you are today. Tomorrow, there's someone who's gonna be smarter. There's someone who's gonna be faster. There's someone who's gonna be more beautiful. Time will just cause corruption to happen. To us. So begin to invest in the eternal, in, in the things that will not corrupt, in the things that will last forever. The requirements of spiritual investing is this. First of all, you must believe that there will be return on your investment. The scripture says, set your affection on things above and not on things on earth. And the reason is because if you invest in heaven, you will not get robbed. The market will not crash. There will never be planes crashing into buildings in heaven. None of those things will happen in heaven. Heavenly market is safe and it's growing. So invest there. Don't invest here. If you spend more time here in the flesh than you are in the spirit, your investment is in the wrong place. Invest in heaven. You see your life today and you see it's growing. Some of you go into school. You learn in school, right? And you see you're getting smarter. My question is, is your spirit getting smarter? Is your spirit growing? Are you see you growing in the love of God? Do you see those things growing in your life? Are you getting faster? Are you getting stronger? Are you getting more beautiful in your spirit than in your life? Those are the questions that you need to ask yourself. If not, start investing in your spiritual life. Jesus says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you that you should go and bring forth fruit. This is a blessing because God has chosen us to be entrepreneur in the spirit, that we will be successful, that our investment will blossom. So you must believe that when you invest spiritually, your spirit and your soul will grow, and you can watch it grow every day if you invest in the kingdom of God. I guarantee you this, test me on this. Go home, spend an hour in the word of God every day. Next week you come back, I can see your spirit grow. Test me on that, try it. If you spend an hour or even half an hour or five minutes every day in true prayer to God, next week you come back, I see your spirit grow. That is the kind of spiritual investment that we must make. If you can't spend an hour in the Word of God, well, spend 10 minutes. If you say you don't have time, well, wind the clock back 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the morning and spend that time in the Word of God. Next week you come here, I can show you how your spirit has grown. Your conversation will change. It's not about things on earth anymore because we have grown the inner man and we have to continue to grow. Monitor your communication with each other. Are you just talk about earthly things? How traffic, how's life, how's school? Are you not talking about anything spiritual? If you're not, your spiritual life has not grown. Secondly, you must put time and research to study and understand the kingdom of God. No one buy into a stock 
and make money unless they do what? They research the company. If you don't research the company, you will lose all your money. You don't know how to read the balance sheet. You don't have to read the financial statement. You're not part of the conference call. You will lose your money. But how many people invest right now without knowing, doing the research and study the company? There are many people. And there are many people in the spiritual investment don't read the manual. They don't study the kingdom. And your investment will corrupt. You're not investing in the right things spiritually. You must know what to invest. You must do your research. Educate yourself in the spiritual things. And that only comes when you read your Bible. That only comes when you listen to sound spiritual financial advice. That only comes when you attach yourself to people who have been successful in spiritual investment. The Bible has been the complete source for generations. Even the beginning of time, Jesus used the Bible so you know that this is a good book is the source of all your spiritual venture there. Have you ever read a prospectus, those who are investing? Prospectus, it gives a quick summary of how the company is doing and what it's going to do in the future. Well, this is your spiritual prospectus right here. If you want to invest spiritually, read this book. It will tell you what happened in the past, tell you what's happening now, and it will tell you what happens in the future. Read it, okay, study it, and learn it. Learn it well. Search the scripture. Jesus says, search the scripture. Third, you must be willing to trade all your education, your belief, everything. It doesn't matter until you're willing to make the trade. You must understand the value in what you will gain and you must see what your life is worth right now. So when you see that something is a better investment, you sell what you have and you buy into something that's more valuable. You have to do this, otherwise you never get the treasure. A man found the treasure in the field, sold all he had and then went back and buy the field. A man saw the pearl of great price, the merchant. He went home and sold all of his other pearls and went back and buy that one pearl. The man who found the treasure has to recognize that's valuable, has to know that that treasure is more valuable than anything else that he has. So unless you compare your life and your spiritual life, you put it together and say, you know what, I need to grow this. This is more valuable. And how do you know this is more valuable? Because it says it in here. Unless you read it, unless you have been shown. You see, the parable of the merchant who found the pearl, he was a pearl merchant. He was an expert in pearl. You have to become experts in your spiritual life. You have to learn this very well so that when you see your spiritual life and you realize it's so precious, it's precious than everything else that you have in your life. And what you do, you're willing to let go of everything. There's a modern parable by Chip Ingram that I just read. It's actually brilliant. A man who um, was given an opportunity to look at uh, some old houses. Now he's well versed in antiquities. A bunch of people go through the houses, examine the house, and then they will have to make a decision whether or not to buy the house or you know, let someone else buy the house. Now he looked at this ancient house and it's decrepit, run down. He went down the basement, he found this old desk. And in the old desk, there was a false drawer. And he knew it because he studied antiquities. He was so excited, right? So he opens it and he saw a bag and he found these old golden coins. If these coins turn out to be authentic, it would be worth hundreds of millions. Now, the house, the entire house, only cost $97,000. Well, he doesn't have $97,000 to buy the house. So what do you have to do? Sell his car, sell his house, sell his possessions, 
everything. So he sat down, he took account of everything. He has to sell pretty much everything except the clothes on his back. Come up with $97,000 and buy the house. Now, the question that he has is, are the coins a fund? It's a risk. It's always a risk. It's an assessment. What he saw, is he sure that the coins are authentic? Has he done the research and know? Is, does he trust his instinct and what he knows to be true? In the same way, you never know whether or not your spiritual life worth it. Have you done? Some of you hesitate. Why? Because you don't know how valuable your souls are. You don't know how magnificent eternity is. You don't know what the kingdom of God actually has in store for you because you've never done the research. But if you know, and this guy, in the end, he took the risk. He sold everything. He bought the house and it turned out the gold worth it. We have to be willing to trade. And when you trade, you take a calculated risk, not a dumb risk. Calculated risk means you have done your study. You have come to the Word of God, done your study, make your investments, know how this works. Are you willing to trade your time, your desires, your worldly, your fleshly desires, your money, even some of us, your pursuit of higher education almost, and to pursue God? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to let go of your ambitions, even some of the things that you think that you're really good at today? to spend the time to make the spiritual investment? Are you willing to let go of your pursuits? Are you willing to let go? But it starts with making that first trade. And what is that? What is your first trade? It is your time. You need to spend the time studying God's Word. You need to spend your time read this prospectus. You need to spend your time learning and educate yourself. And know when you look at something that's truly valuable, you understand and you know it's truly valuable and you take the calculated risk in your life. Risk them all. So the first step is listen to God's word, like what we're doing here. Be with people who speak life and not just rubbish. How many of you today hang around with a group of people who speak nothing but things that are of no value? You hang around, you talk to people, and after you leave them, you said, I've learned nothing at all. Nothing of importance at all. Be people of influence. Influence your friends for the kingdom of God in the spiritual sense. How many of you have friends in the church and outside the church and never talk about God at all, never talk about the spiritual things at all. Evaluate those things. Are those things good for you? Are those things good for your spiritual endeavor? Trade your time. Begin to be part of the conversations that build you up, that build your spiritual life up, that give you sound investment advice rather than things that of no eternal value. TV, and then afterwards, you know, you go to bed and, you, and you're more upset than you are before you watch it. Evaluate those things and trade those things for things that are eternal. The second step is to listen to advice. There are so many sound advice from the Bible. Read the stories, read the lives. There are so many sound advice from the books, from the teaching, from the audios that you can listen. Your life is so connected today. You turn on your phone today, you are connected to millions, hundreds of millions of sermons you can listen to. But the question is, how many of those sermons are actually beneficial for your spiritual investment? Do you know which ones are beneficial? The story of King Rehoboam, Solomon's son, when he came to the throne, the Israelites came and said, lighten the burden that your father had over us. And he said, okay, well, let me think about it, which is good. And he went back home and he asked his father's counselor. Now his father was Solomon. Solomon, you know, only has wise counsel because you can't be stupid standing in front of Solomon. So you have to believe that Solomon had good counsel. So it's today. There, there are counselors that has established the foundation of our Christian faith that we can rely on. 
men of old, ancient men, there are some contemporary, a very few that has given sound advice. Listen to them, read them, understand what they're teaching you. But Rebuam, he listened, the old man's counsel told him, lighten the burden, then they will follow you. But then what did he do? He went to his friends, his peers, those are around his age. The Bible says those who are at his age, and he asked them, and what advice did they give him? They gave him wrong advice. Go to the wise counsel. The people have gone through it. They will give you good counsel, especially search the scripture. Remember the Bereans. They listened to Paul. Paul was a great man. And in contrast between the Bereans and the Thessalonians, the Thessalonians, they listened to Paul and they want to what, chase him out of the city. But the Bereans, they listened to Paul and what did they do? They searched the scripture, making sure what he said was true. And Paul says the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians. They had more because they had the scripture, you see. Listen to wise counsel, search the scripture, have an investment in the scripture. So the third step is make your first trade. This is very important. Make your first trade. Study the Bible, listen to sound advice, read the scripture, listen to messages, come together and worship like this. I'm giving you sound advice. If you don't trust me, search the scripture. What I say is true or not, search the scripture for yourself. Now, you must make your first trade. Begin by looking at your life today. How much time are you spending for each of the tasks that's in your life? And make that first trade. Let me offer you this. Can you find 10 minutes in your life right now? Can you find 10 minutes? I talked to one gentleman and I asked him, do you read your Bible? And he said, I don't have time. Since we're in the car, we have a long drive. So I deconstruct his life. And I said, so what do you do? So you wake up, what do you do? Oh, I shower. And then what do you do? It was summer, so he didn't have class. So what do you do after you shower? Well, I eat. And then what you do after that? Oh, I play game. And then what you do after? And then I eat. And then what do you do after that? Then I shower again. And then what do you do? Then I eat. I was thinking he's play game, but he eat again. Skinny little kid. And then watch TV. And then what do you do after that? And then I eat. He ate five times in a day. He watched TV three times, and he played game in between of all these times. And so I said, well, okay, that's, that's actually pretty bad life to live. But I asked him, just do this. You don't have to take two showers a day, just take one shower. I'm not gonna ask you to give you your TV nor your game, not right now, but give up one of your showers. That time that you take a shower, make that for a trade and take that time and read the Bible. Make that, trade that. So what is it in your day that you can trade for the Word of God? And then the fourth step is make your second trade. First trade is trade your time for God, for reading the scripture and for prayer. The second trade is trade your money. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Now we can give up a lot of time, but when it comes to money, that's when the rubber meets the road. That's when it's really hurt. Trade your money. Give your tithes 10% faithfully. Give it to missions. Give your money, that's, that's very hard. But when you can do that, you begin to make sound spiritual investment. There are two things I want to close with. First of all, two warnings, okay? With any investment, First of all, if you will invest in the marketplace, don't invest emotionally. That's the worst type of investment you ever make. So those of you who are a little older, you begin to make those investments, the emotional investment. I'm telling you ahead of time, it will break your heart. Maybe that's why I'm still single, it's really hard. But that's not what I'm talking about. Emotional investing is like this. You feel good, so you invest, you don't feel good, you withdraw. That's really bad if you're gonna invest in the marketplace. If you're gonna behave based on your feeling, it's really bad because you will never make any money. You're not acting on the principle of the text, 
or on the principle of your education, but you're acting on the principle of your feeling. That's really bad. What is that? First of all, the Word of God is very, very precise. The Word of God tells you exactly what you need to do. So the master gave five, and then gave two, and then gave one to three servants. The first one, what did he do? Immediately, he went and traded. Immediately. No emotion involved. He went and traded. Why? Because that's what he's supposed to do. Trade it. And then immediately he gained five. So I tell you, take one thing out of your life. It's a lot of time out of your life. If you begin to think about it, you're acting on emotion, you'll never do it. But if you, right now, pull out your calendar, mark out, okay, you know what? At lunchtime, I'm going to take half an hour lunch instead of one hour lunch, and the other half, I'm going to read the Bible. And if that's 12.30, you make that mark in there, do that. Don't act on your emotion. When I feel like it, I'm going to read. You're never going to read. In the same way, take that deliberate step and make that investment right away. Because that sound investment advice, you should take it, don't think about it. Like the one that had one talent, what did he do? He, instead of went and traded, the scripture said he went and dug. Why? Because in verse 25, he said, I fear. There's fear involved when you begin to act on your emotion. There's fear. When you begin to act in fear, what do you do? You make unwise decisions. Fear will lead us to all kinds of failures. Act based on faith and not based on emotion. Let me talk a little bit about the one with two talents because that's the one that you can learn most from. The one with two talents, the scripture says, He that received five talents, verse 16, went and traded with the same and made them five other talents. When you make a deliberate step and you do it, you will see immediate return because God has promised. Likewise, verse 17, he that had received two also gained two. It doesn't say in here, but think about this scenario. You're the, the middle servant, you get two. You're not the one that has given a, a lot of talent. You're not one that gave only one. The one that had gained five, what he has to do? The Lord trusts me. So therefore, I want to make a good example. So he went and invested immediately. The one that had one said, well, I'm not sure if, you know, the Lord trusts me. So he began to doubt. But God knows what your abilities are. So he gave you according, the scripture said, to your abilities. It's not that you are unfit or it's not that you are not as loved as the one he gave five. It's not. But somehow, most of you sitting here and you say, well, I'm not Pastor Paul. I can't do what he does. So what do you do? You do nothing. And that's a wrong decision to make. Because I didn't get here from here. I got here from the ground the same way. I invested when God gave it to me. And from there, I began to build my investment, my spiritual investment. I didn't just drop in like this. You don't know the servant who had five talents, what he did all his life until the time where he got his five talents. You don't know. Obviously, he has been a faithful servant. Now, the one who has two are most of us here today. What do we do? Well, we look at the guy who had five, and we look at the one who had one. And then we begin to think, just like the middle child. Should I be like the one who had five, or should I be like the one who had one? Look like the one who had five did a lot of work. That's rough. He had one, could bury his treasure. I can be like him. You know, why should I invest? If he's a servant, the other guy's a servant as well. Why should I invest? I think most of us is in the stage. Most of you are talented in many ways. You're smart. You've been given so much. Look at the ones that have five. Don't look at the one that have learned and invest. And the one that had two, even though he's three short of the one that had five and only one more than the one that had one, it is more likely that he should follow the one that had one instead of the one that had five. Well, I'm nothing. Look, 
the other guy had five talents, but he didn't. He decided to do the one that had five did. If you look up, you go up. If you look down, you go down. Look up. See the examples of those who really invest their whole life into the kingdom of God. Second thing that you should be aware of is beware of cheap spiritual investment. Nothing cheap worth anything. There are a lot of penny stocks out there. If you're ever in the marketplace, don't ever buy penny stock. What are penny stocks? If you buy a share of Apple today, one share, over $500. But there are stocks out there that you can buy for 14 cents. I'm not telling you to buy Apple stock, by the way. I'm just giving an example, so don't take this as a financial advice, okay? If you look at a company like Apple, it costs a lot to invest. But how do you think the company would do in the long run? The company that has a stock offering of nine cents, how do you think that company would do? $500, buy a bucket load of penny stocks. Most of those companies, they're gonna collapse. Or you can take $500 and buy one stock, of a good company, you know, will last. Which is a better investment? Good company is always good investment. Invest in the kingdom of God. If you buy cheap spirituality, what you will get cheap spiritual investment. You come to this church, the cost for things that we do here is high. It's not cheap. There's no cheap investment here. You know, I'll ask you to give up your time. I'll ask you to give up your finances. i ask you to give up your strength. You're not going to come here and find cheap graces nor cheap spirituality. You won't find it here. But there are plenty of places where you can go and get your quick fix. You can get your quick spiritual fix. If you invest in those things over the long run, you end up with nothing. You don't have any because those things, those companies, those spiritual investment will fail. Invest in the kingdom of God. Invest in the kingdom of God. The real word of God will sustain you. So if you think that you will come into service every Sunday, give your hour and a half or two hours and you begin to feel tired, and you think that's your investment, you will fail. Your spiritual investment will fail because that's not enough to bring your spirit into maturity. It takes more than that than just a Sunday service. It takes everyday commitment to the Word of God, to prayer. You can't come to church once a week. Not only that, but those who come to church whenever they feel like it, think about that kind of investment. It will never go anywhere. It will never go anywhere. You have to make a daily commitment to your spiritual enterprise. Otherwise, you will never go anywhere. Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord. He looked at the people and the people said, we serve the Lord. And he said, no, you're not going to serve the Lord because this is what the Lord requires. Okay? So in Joshua chapter 24, verse 19, you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sin. Yeah, you look at it. He said, you cannot follow the Lord. This is what he requires. Don't think that we will not pay a high price because God demands us to give up everything, risk it all for the kingdom of God. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsake not all that he has, he cannot be my disciples. Wherever you are right now, know that this is the word of God. It says you have to give up everything to be Christ's disciples. You have to. That does not mean that you can give God only a couple hours. The only time you read your Bible is when you're in church. That does not mean that. The Word of God is very, very clear on this. You have to make this commitment every single day. You got to do it. There's no other way around this. Through much tribulation, we'll enter into the kingdom of God. But you know, God is so wonderful because we might not know what's good for us, but God knows what we need. And the more stuff you have in your life today, the more it's going to weight you down. 
the more your life is going to be depressed by it. So what God wants to do is God wants you to offer those things for your spiritual investment. Take the advice that John the Baptist did. He said, he must increase, I must, that's God's economy. So as you begin to shed your life, all the stuff in your life for the Lord, Christ will become more and more bountiful in your life. You become greater in your life, and then you become less. And when that happens, your spiritual investment will blossom. We love you, Lord, for everything that you have done, everything that you continue to do in our lives. I pray for each one of those who are in this room today. As we meditate on your word, I pray that we take serious steps in study, to meditate, to do the research, to search out the scripture and see what you have detail in there in regard to our spiritual investment and that we begin to take practical steps in nourishing of spiritual lives. And I thank you, Lord. I pray that we'll have the strength and the courage to trade it all 